This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Zach Alexander here with me. He's a practitioner that used to be a men's coach, but today he's a spiritual teacher that integrates three of the most important things, the somatic, the psychological, and the energetic. And every time that Zach posts something, I am fascinated, and I have already learned so much from him. But I think what is most important is that Zach has helped so many men through their own inner healing process. So when I decided that we needed to talk about the alpha male and how many of us have been hurt by the alpha male, or maybe we are the alpha male listening to this and we're like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I knew that Zach was the guy to come and join us on the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what is really going on behind that front. And I think helping us to understand a little more why we get hurt by the alpha male and maybe why they are hurting too. Now, before we get into the fun and the jokes around like the dating and having our heart broken by specific types of people, I just want to start with some seriousness, which doesn't always happen on this podcast, which is that in the UK alone, men are three times as likely to die by suicide. And I know personally three men who have committed suicide, but I cannot say that I know the same for females in my life. So this pandemic, this epidemic of mental health today is huge in the men's space. And I think it is so important that Zach is doing this work alongside so many other practitioners to help the men in our lives heal. So before we start, I'd love to just ask Zach if 
this is something that he sees in practice. You know, do you see men coming to you thinking that they have it all? They have the job, they have the girl, they have multiple girls, they have the body, or maybe they don't have any of those things. But it, do you see it really, really impacting the mental health of the men that you work with? Men are struggling. As you had mentioned, men are nearly four times more likely to commit suicide. I believe they have much higher rates of addiction. I think they have higher rates of narcissism. And I think that interplays into this as well. Society is not set up for men to heal. Uh, I had a very close friend growing up who committed suicide. Everyone, like no one saw it coming because they quote unquote had it all. A lot of the men that I've worked with on the outside from the, from looking at the external quote unquote have it all. And then they come in and they're like, why do I still feel this deep void? Why do I feel numb? Why do I feel like it's never enough? And the only reason I feel like I've been able to guide them through that process is because I've been there as well. Being a male in today's society in which we clearly need to heal, we clearly need to go into our internal world, is difficult. And the whole alpha male exterior provides a mask sometimes for us to still feel powerful and in control when we don't know how to navigate into that scared little boy that actually needs to be integrated. So I do want to have a balance in today's episode of obviously this, this whole archetype of the alpha male, I know has hurt a lot of women, right? And I think we need to discuss why that's harmful and how women even need to kind of catch that and look after and, and look out for that. But at the same time with the nuance and context that a lot of these men who kind of take on that archetype, while they are responsible and accountable for the ways they behave and for needing to heal, they are also very wounded in themselves and they need guidance and they need support in terms of how to work through that. And this is coming from someone who himself, I would consider myself a reformed fuckboy. So yeah, I understand. <laughs> love that. I love it. I love the openness and the honesty. And I think that's a huge part of this podcast, right? Is that I'm a reformed everything. Like what all the bad things that you could be in life, like I've done a lot of them in my time, like the party girl, the promiscuous girl, the drug-taking girl, the drinking girl, like coming to this conversation with that compassion for the fact that you've been there, I think is just going to add the most incredible insight to today's discussion. So thank you for your vulnerability already. And I'm so excited to get into this episode today. And like you said, a lot of women and men have been hurt by the alpha male. And this episode isn't to slate and further punish the alpha male, we just want to really dig a little below the surface and see what is actually going on and talk about some of those wounds that are often driving the traits that show up on the surface. And I think on the flip side, as someone that has always been attracted to the alpha male, I think it's been so fascinating to see that as I've healed my own father wound, validation wounds, you know, even just working on the ego and self-regulation, it's been fascinating to see how my attraction to the alpha male has subsided. And my whole view on the alpha male has now shifted that sometimes I, I actually really feel sorry for these men. And I say that because I share often the story about right when I met my boyfriend, I was also dating or very loosely dating another guy. And so there were two men, like polar opposites that I was spending this time with. And one of them was the definition of the ultra avoidant, couldn't even stay in one city for like longer than two months, kind of guy that was so attractive and would say things to me like, I have a girl in every city. 
And I just started to realize like, that is actually not something to be proud of. Like that is unattractive for me. And the fact that you are telling me that as if I'm going to be impressed by that, I think also showed that I'd done some work because previously I would have been like, oh, well then I have to be better than all those other girls and you're going to pick me and you're going to fall in love with me. And actually the more and more work that I had done on myself, I was able to pick the healthier man of the two, who very interestingly, my boyfriend is the total opposite of an alpha male. And I think we're going to, there'll be some really interesting learnings from that discussion today too. Like he hardly even has male friends because he's found them to be so toxic throughout the journey of his life. So should we start with this sexually promiscuous, this belief that the more women or men that they conquer, it is almost like more of a man that they are. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, we're programmed from that from a young age from media. Like, let's just be honest. Like, we don't have a lot of good examples growing up of healthy male role models, right? And so, you know, just from a biological standpoint or whatever, like men are wired for like to conquer. Okay, that's been wired into us from a young age. If you notice, like really the epidemic that we're facing today is that men lack oftentimes healthy male role models, right? And so at a certain point, we kind of grow up with this paradigm of like the more women that we attract, the more women we sleep with, somehow that makes us more masculine, right? And that really is because, you know, if we were to develop like a deep, intimate relationship with someone else, uh, that would bring up our wounding. That would bring up our uncomfortable emotions. And as men, we're taught that if we feel that wounding, if we experience those uncomfortable emotions, that means we're weak or cowardly. So the male psyche right away just looks at this equation and is like, don't feel my uncomfortable emotions. Don't feel my wounding. Don't feel my shame versus, you know, to really allow my heart to be broken, to allow myself to experience these emotions or feelings I don't know how to fully deal with. The male psyche immediately goes to the, the former, right? And I'm speaking of this because this is what it was like for me in my early 20s, right? I quickly noticed that a lot of the validation and approval that I was getting from everyone around me was because I was attracting all these different women, right? And I noticed that when I was about to develop a deeper relationship with someone, uh, I'd immediately run. And that was because my alarm system would go off. My alarm system would immediately check like, oh my God, what if I confront these parts of me I don't know how to be with and process? You know what? Let me go for the thing that's been working. Let me go for that quick dopamine hit, right? I don't know how to give myself that, that dopamine in a healthy manner. Let me go through how I've been trained from all the TV shows, all the movies, uh, everything around me. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned this concept of running, right? Like you said, running from shame, running from facing up to the wounds that they don't know how to deal with. Because that's been one of my big learnings on this journey is that I always used to be made to feel so small by avoidant men. You know, it felt like I wasn't enough for them to stay. I wasn't enough for them to pick me, to choose me, to open up to me or with me. So they'd leave. And I always felt like that was a reflection on me. But what I've learned since going to therapy and doing this work is that the avoidant man or woman is really just running from themselves. And they just like do not know how to hold themselves in those spaces of intimacy, conflict, vulnerability. And the other thing I think is so interesting is you said they're running from their shame. And this is something that I still feel I talk about all the time, which is like, I held a lot of shame around being promiscuous when I was at university 
I was drunk. I would cheat on my partner a lot. I would just do a lot of things that I didn't want to do because I was, you know, inebriated and young. And as I grew up, I realized men do not hold any of this shame around the number of people that they've slept with. Like I have had more than one boyfriend that have slept with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women. And it's just been like, that's just been like how, you know, it's been. And I just always say to them, but like, could you imagine if I was coming to this conversation saying I've slept with 300 men? Like, even though two of them were like, yeah, well, I wouldn't care. I'm like, you you wouldn't care. But like, there's still some wiring in men that it's like, it's okay for men to act a certain way and women to not act a certain way. When we talk about like why men tend to be more avoidant, right? Like you have to remember our value in society as a man is directly correlated to how much we can produce, right? To how much like we can put out there in terms of wealth, in terms of how much work we can do, okay? And so then you're talking about running into a relationship dynamic that brings up emotions and feelings and old unprocessed traumas that inhibits our ability to be of, to produce, that inhibits our ability to always be making wealth and to be looking good and to always have it together. The very first thing we're going to do is we're going to run from those dynamics. When our, when we're constantly giving feedback from our societal constructs that our entire value and our entire worth is directly tied to how much we can always have it together, to how much we can provide to our material wealth, to everything else, to everything that's external of us. Why would we engage in a dynamic that goes into the internal world? This is, this is, this is the, the way the male psyche is calculating things. And so that is why men will find themselves running. It's, it's a direct nervous system response. It really is. We have to remember that when we feel at threat, when we encounter and engage an emotional experience that we don't know how to process, the nervous system goes into that fight or flight response. And for men, it will be flight. It will be run. This emotion, this feeling, this intimacy, this relationship could bring me into contact with everything that might potentially obstruct my ability to keep up this external image that creates value for me, I'm out, right? And so I think we need to normalize this understanding. I think we need to begin to give men these tools and these resources. Here's what I want to say, Luis, is that like we're attracted to the alpha male because assertiveness is actually a good trait. Leadership is a good trait, right? Having an ability to have structure, to being disciplined. These are good traits. The problem with this whole notion of quote unquote, the alpha male or whatever that is, or what that denotes is that this becomes a mask and a way to exert control upon another person, right? It's not coming from a place of authenticity and transparency as women, right? Or anyone attracted to men, you should be attracted to assertiveness, direction, structure, discipline. The problem is when it comes at the cost of not being attuned to your emotional world at all, to not being able to relay what your needs and boundaries are, to not being able to partake in that vulnerability. And this is kind of when we get that whole notion of like that empath narcissist seesaw, right? And that's what we're trying to guide people to is to get off. We're trying to have men to lead men into that notion of you can still be structured, you can still be strong, you can still be grounded. And here are the tools to go into your internal world. And for women, that these are good traits to look at, but look at it when a man is using this as a front to hide himself from that scared little boy. 
to notice when a man does not know how to be vulnerable, does not know how to relay his insecurities, does not know how to regulate himself through difficult emotions. Then we're noticing that a man is really just inflating his ego because he doesn't know how to deal with what's underneath. So interesting, the point around people ultimately just wearing a mask to like hide what is underneath. And I think at this point, I'd ask everyone listening to reflect back on past partners and ask, you know, how were they in terms of vulnerability and emotional connection to self and regulation? Because I know that looking back to my relationships in my 20s, I have very few memories of any man in my life ever being emotionally vulnerable. And yes, some of them could hold space for my emotions, but some of them just could not even do that. You know, I've dated the angry man. I've dated the suppressed man. I've dated the abusive man. I've dated the man that distracts himself with work constantly. All he does is work, 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 work. I've dated the rugby player. So it's like sport, 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 sport. I've dated them all. You know, I'm coming here with a full, a full portfolio. And I've, I've seen this from all angles and. It's not until I've become healthier and I've started to learn about these things that you're sharing that I've started to be able to hold space for men to do this too. Because it's a two-way street, right? The man has to be able to go into their internal world and has to be able to tap in to be able to bring it outwards. But also their partner, so a woman in this case, needs to be able to hold space for that without shaming or judging. Because do you know how many women want their men to be more emotional and then the second that they're more emotional, they're like, oh, like, why the fuck are you crying? You know? So I think there's this like really interesting two-way dynamic. Do you know what I mean? It's interesting that you bring this up because it's all about a balance. I think women, women understand that they want a man who is more in tune to their emotional world. But a man who is too emotional can be a turnoff. And I think that's okay. A lot of the work that I do with men is around this concept of stoicism. And that is about not suppressing this. This is where I think this whole alpha male thing can go wrong is it's this toxic ideology that emotions themselves are bad or inherently wrong, that all we need to experience are things that make us feel powerful. That is when, that is when we can become incredibly toxic and even abusive. But the ability for a man to understand his emotional world, to understand what's going on, without immediately projecting it out, right? A man that like is not in, that just lets every single feeling just kind of roll with it. Like women, it makes sense why women would be turned off from that. So I, I do want to kind of give this structure that we want, I think women want men who can communicate their emotions, can communicate their feelings, right? Are in touch with their internal world, but aren't blitzing through and projecting and dumping every emotion that comes out. Yeah, I love that point about it being a balance because the way that you put it was perfect that women want a man that can lead and can be relied upon and can be strong as a partner figure, but also someone that can be in tune with their own internal world without it being an overwhelming experience where they're crying constantly or like erratic and up and down. So I think that that balance piece is interesting. And I want to talk about the suppression of emotions that you referenced because, you know, we hear all the time like, oh, big boys don't cry. And we understand, I guess, fundamentally how little boys and young men are told not to be emotional and told to be strong. But I want to ask you as someone that's lived this, like, does it go deeper than you just being told 
not to cry or big boys don't cry. Like, where did you learn? Is it the media? Like, where did you learn all of these things that you should be a certain type of man? You know, I think we need to look at this from a, from a very large, wide prism, right? We're looking at this from like a wide paradigm, right? The history of men has been one that is often encased in war and conflict. For several thousand years, men have oftentimes been the ones to go to war. When that occurs, there is no space for what is going on with your internal emotional world. And then when men come back from those dynamics, is there often isn't like a societal construct to help us heal. So this is ancestral. For several thousand years, men have learned to survive, to be able to be of service to others, to be able to provide for their families. We have to press down. We have to push down. Okay. Now we live in a societal construct. We don't necessarily have to do that as much, but the brain and body have not caught up to that. So a lot of young boys still grow up in these with, in these family systems where the father or the grandfather is like, Hey, put those tears away, be a fucking man. But what ends up happening is now we grow up in this societal dynamic where that doesn't really work anymore as much. Okay. So men's brains are primed from the time they're young to push it all down, to push it all away. And then they become adults. And then all of a sudden men have higher rates of depression. Men have higher rates of addiction because their brain and body have not been primed that these emotions are allowed and safe. So what we have to do is we have to begin to show men slowly and carefully that your bodies can experience grief that your bodies can experience sadness, that your bodies can experience guilt and shame, and it's okay. You don't have to blurt it all over the world. You don't have to project it onto your partner because I see that go on a lot. Like men don't know how to deal with their emotions. They get in a partnership and it all gets dumped on the partner. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's attractive. But what we have to do is to actually, it's from a societal level. We have to create new paradigms where men begin to notice that their internal world is now safe to experience. And it's not going to inhibit their ability to provide for others. In fact, it's going to enhance it. That's so important that we just need a shift in society as a whole to teach people to be able to start to tune in with their body. You know, it's for women as well. Like we are not taught how to feel into our nervous systems. And I think as women, we're a lot better at expressing that emotion outwards rather than pushing it down. But I know that we can't say that for everybody. And I'm so grateful and glad that you've just touched on that generational piece because so much of healing and pain is generational. And I think we're only just starting to see that coming out in the psychological world and the studies of epigenetics. And we haven't even touched on the energetic world and the crazy amounts of energy that can be passed down from generation to generation that gets lodged in the body, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of this piece around generational healing, do you think it's fair to say that we need men as individuals to come together in collectives to start to do this healing, which will then heal generations. And the reason that I say should men be coming together is because you just said it's not attractive when a man trauma dumps everything on their partner when they get into a relationship. And I have to say that I have been in that situation myself where an ex of mine was deeply, deeply traumatized, had gone through deep, deep fucking trauma, like, wow, stuff I could never even relate to, but wasn't even aware of, around how bad it was until we got into a relationship where the love 
gave him a vessel to start to share that and to feel it in his body. It was such a crazy, overwhelming experience for him that it kind of took me out in the process. Like the whole thing was just like crazy trauma processing. And I was luckily in therapy at the time. So I was able to say to my boyfriend, you should get a therapist. And I helped him get a therapist. And that was the beginning of changing the rest of his life. Like, even though we're not together now, I still have his family saying like, you changed his life. Like everything you did for him changed his life. But ultimately all I did was that I told him and I showed him like, I'm going to love you for everything that's inside you, all the darkness. But you need a therapist to help you with this. It is not my job. I'm not qualified. So what are your thoughts around like men healing with partners, men healing with men, men healing with therapists? Is it something that can be done differently for everyone? So I will say this from my own personal experience. I was in a relationship where I was the one who trauma dumped way too much. Right. And so this has been a learning experience for me. I learned from my own upbringing that men were not safe to bring like difficult emotions with. So then when that safety was created through a partner, I'm like, here you go. Right. And that destroyed the attraction that destroyed the romantic connection. Right. You are not responsible to heal your boy, your boyfriend, your partner. There, there, there is a vulnerability and an, and an intimacy that needs to come from this like deep, like connection, right. From sharing. But there's a difference between intimacy and therapy. Uh, men coming together and holding space for one another is one of the most important things. And that first tidbit is men need to begin to show up with each other and learn that we are safe to express like difficult emotions with, but also to hold each other accountable and responsible. There is a different subset of experience that needs to occur of men holding space for other men while keeping them kind of in those, in those traits of leadership direction, structure that are still good for men. It's a, 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 a woman or, f or feminine partner can't provide all of that. And so it's a combination of men need to be able to use, utilize therapy more. Men need to be able to utilize like coaching and those types of resources more. And also, you know, be able to go to their male friends. I had to learn how to be vulnerable with other men. It was not fun. I, I literally remember going and letting out an emotion or letting out a feeling like, oh, they're about to call me a pussy. It's simple. I'm saying like, I have these, like, they're going to call me. I'm, I'm not saying that language is even correct, but like, that was where my brain was going. Like, they're going to call me weak. They're going to call me cowardly. They're going to shame me. And to be in that experience, be like, bro, we get it. We get it, bro. When my ex left me, dude, I was, I was fucking crying. I felt all my abandonment wounds. I felt all the times that like people didn't show up for me. And then you start noticing those masks are dissolving that need to inflate oneself and puff oneself up is starting to dissipate. I've worked with men who are veterans who throughout their lives have been highly attuned to attack. And then when they come home and they notice that they need therapy, they notice they need help. A lot of times it's a scared little boy underneath there and they need, it's not their woman's, it's not their partner's job to be that entire space for them. Like, like I had to be the one to hold space and say, dude, I see you like fuck. And that, that de-shamed all of a sudden they're a better partner. All of a sudden they're not trauma dumping. That didn't come from their partner fixing them. That did not come from their partner saving them. That came from them utilizing another man, another man seeing them in their experience. It was a paramount for me. My process was from a men's coach. He was amazing. He literally, I'll give him a shout out. Eric Allman, like sat there while I was sobbing sometimes like, bro, I'm not judging you. And I'm like, okay. That's what allows men to really step into that, to that, that healthy masculine energy, not spiraling it and not being in, in your boyhood tears all the time, but to be seen in that by another man and to be picked up. 
And so to really reflect back on the question, yes, I think it's so important that men utilize other men. Men don't utilize their partner to be their therapist. And we notice the nuance within that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That was such a beautiful answer and... You know, I'm a very emotional person and even I sometimes find it difficult to be vulnerable with other women, with friends, with family, with whatever's going on. Like I'm, I'm a big isolator and I'm a big, like, I just deal with it myself, which ties back to my own childhood experiences. I actually can't imagine how much more difficult it would be to be a man. So I really just want to hold space for you being so vulnerable and sharing. Like I've never, ever heard a man say anything about having an abandonment wound, but like, of course, men have fucking abandonment wounds. Like, we're all human. We've all gone through exactly the same fucking situations. Like, I'm swearing because it's ridiculous that we don't even comprehend that men might have an abandonment wound or that men might have insecurities about X, Y, or Z. So I think that's fascinating. And I love how you've shared the importance of, yeah, finding these spaces with men, with therapists to support their intimate relationships rather than it being like exclusively one or the other. So I think that is so important. And I have a question for you, which is that, you know, we said at the beginning, it's just easier for men to stay in what they know. So maybe they just know to be avoidant. They know how to just run away from intimacy. They run away from the wounds. I want to ask you how your relationships or current relationship that you're in has changed since you started to do this work? Because I don't think men necessarily see the real benefit of being like, oh yeah, so what? Like I'll just feel some more emotions or maybe I'll cry here or there. Like, is it just your intimate relationship you've seen that's been benefited? Is it your whole life? Yeah. And I think we have to help men understand what this process is really about. It's not to just be this overly emotional, you know, one of my mentors used the word like flow boy, right? Like that's not what we're doing here. Every part of my life has improved from being able to utilize and understand this work, right? And this has been work that men have been doing for several thousand years. At some point, we just lost connection with this. Like Marcus Aurelius talks about like the concept of stoicism and understanding your emotions without allowing it to overly be projected or suppressing them. Um, my intimate relationships got better because I wasn't trauma dumping anymore. Uh, I also was able to witness and observe that tendency to want to run and letting it just be an observation and not just engaging it and noticing, oh, this is my nervous system wired to run away from intimacy. I can observe that part of me without actually acting upon it. And then being able to train my body that this is safe for the partner. And then suddenly I'm able to provide that safety without causing that chaos and destruction in their lives, which a lot of men can do to their partners. Okay. My relationship with other men have improved. 
I've had more meaningful relationships and connections. I don't always have to go to women because something bad in my life happened, right? But that took time to teach my, once again, body, brain, that vulnerability with men was safe. I understand my own internal world. I understand when emotions are old triggers, right? That I just need to allow through or when emotions or feelings are letting me know my boundaries are actually being violated and I need to, I need to put something up here. I need to put something up here, right? We need these tools no matter what. As you said, men or women, if you're going through narcissistic abuse, there will be adaptive and coping responses to that as an adult that are no longer healthy. If a parent died when we were young or struggled with addiction, there will be coping and adaptive responses as an adult that are we, that no longer serve their utility. We all need to learn how to observe and witness these parts of me and how to appropriately engage in them, okay? This isn't a matter of like, oh, this is not cool. Or this, this literally is about how to be a human healthily, okay? This is so we're not relying on some external resource to soothe us, some drug to soothe us, or to always be searching for validation through sleeping with another person to soothe us, right? What ends up happening is these tools and resources allow us to know how to engage with our internal world without always looking for a distracting or coping mechanism. And that's healthy regardless. Yes. And I'd also love to just touch on addiction quickly, right? You've mentioned a couple of times that the addiction rates for men are problematic, I guess is the best way to describe it. I wanted to ask you what you feel, whether it's from experience of yourself personally or with your coaching clients, what you're seeing when people are engaging in these more like addictive patterns. Is it that they're running away from themselves? Is it that they don't know how to sit with their uncomfortable emotions? What's going on when someone is basically like stuck in these cycles of like addiction? So, you know, I, I want to say this first off. Addiction is not just utilizing a substance or a drug. Addiction is having to hyper fixate on anything in our external environment to soothe us. So when we talked about the first thing you brought up in the episode around sleeping with a lot of women, that's an addiction, like female validation, that's an addiction. And basically what that comes from is we don't feel safe with our internal world. We don't know how to regulate to a place of safety. Okay. And so we have to find something to hyper fixate on us to give ourselves that dopamine to give ourselves that feeling of, of feeling like enough, of feeling safe. At its heart, addiction comes into not feeling inherently worthy, not feeling inherently safe, not feeling able to be to trust our own emotional world. And so a lot of the things that we see when we're looking for a lot of external validation or going out partying a lot or utilizing drugs or substances is we need to go back and revisit those parts of us that we're never able to establish safety, right? I, I'm sure, I know you've had a lot of episodes where you've had therapists on here, but that's really the core of this is going back and finding that old fragmented experience of when we didn't feel safe, when our emotion of shame or anger or sadness was belittled or shunned or just completely looked away upon, okay? To revisit those experiences in the body and then to rewire them, to be able to establish safety to be able to come back home to like, wow, I am inherently worthy. I don't have to prove myself, but oh my God, I have to revisit all those times where I was told and otherwise. And I think this is where the big block is for so many men to step into the therapy room or to step into a coach 
is because men always say to me like, oh, I'm fine. Like nothing really happened. But the truth is like, even if you didn't go through like big, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, like the big T things that everyone just downplays everything else. What I've learned from my own journey is like, oh my God, the hundreds, if not thousands of micro moments that I experienced in my childhood that I learned consciously or subconsciously. So what I mean by that is consciously being told to be less of this or more of this or subconsciously or unconsciously, which is when, you know, I don't think we ever talk about how as children, we are so freaking perceptive to every single thing that our parents around us are doing. You know, we cry. I'm certain that as a child, we like perceive the, oh, you know, the annoyance or the tensing of their body. Like, that's what I mean by we unconsciously learn that our emotions are bad or when I do this, like mom does this or when I do this, dad does this. I feel like so many men don't understand that you can do this work without having to have gone through like a fucking huge trauma. My life, I didn't go through a fucking huge trauma, but I went through a million small to moderate traumas. So much so that like, yeah, my whole childhood and my whole life has been like traumatic as fuck and it has shaped me so much. So I just want to ask you, you if that's something you see in practice as well is like, yeah, people don't step into this space because they're like, oh, nothing's really happened to me. So there's nothing really to unpack. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't, people only go into the therapy room as men if there's like some huge thing happens, like you lose your job and you can't provide for the family or like you 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 cheat on your wife and your wife makes you go to therapy. Like, do you see that block that unless something massive has happened, there's just like nowhere to step into? Yeah. I mean, I've worked with athletes like, and they're coming out sometimes, right? Like maybe their athletic career is done or something occurs. And they're like, I don't know, like I'm fine. Nothing bad happened to me growing up. I don't know why I'm going through a little bit of this or that. And we, we trace back their childhood and it was like, there was no big trauma, but it was like their whole identity was wired to athletics or achievement. And so exploring the other parts of themselves growing up was never allowed. And then they wonder why there's this emptiness or their void without this one thing. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a big trauma. Sometimes us not being able to develop our sense of self, sometimes a parent just being like, you know, this is what I did, like go do this too. And, and the kid achieves that or whatever. But then they wonder why they're suffering depression as an adult. It's just, it can be that small. I don't even like using the word small in that instance. Yeah, I also don't like using the word small because I feel like even the smallest of situations can shape us so dramatically, can wire our whole nervous systems, can change the way that we function biologically, psychologically. So we are on the same page about that. And I think just to wrap this episode up full circle, even the point around athleticism is so important because... Even if you're not a professional athlete or semi-professional athlete or whatever, men believe that they have to look a certain way and they have to have a six pack and be like this or be like that. And the truth is like, I used to only date men that look like athletes. And I was like, that's just my type, like whatever. And as I've gone on this journey again, like not only have I experienced like the deepest, most intimate, like love. But I've also had the most deep, passionate, sexual experiences with my last two partners. But neither of those fit inside the box of like what my 
type was before, you know, the alpha male. Like my current boyfriend has a little bit more of like a dad bod. And like anyone that knows me knows I like me and a dad bod. That is just not like two things you'd ever hear in the same sentence. But I just think he's like sexy and I feel so safe with him and loved and worshipped. So yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is like, as I've done this work, I've learned to love men who are able to be imperfect and able to be vulnerable and able to just be themselves. And that in turn has like given me the most amazing experiences. So if you're a guy that's listening to this, I want you to know that you don't have to be making a million dollars a year, hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever. You don't have to be tall and have a six pack and do X, Y, and Z. Like there is such true vulnerability and love and intimacy and passion that's available for you just for being yourself. Like my last two partners have changed my life in every way possible. And neither of them tick the boxes of all the things that I needed in someone like when I was in my twenties. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, I think we can we can have a little like little laughs or whatever. Like this whole process is about we just need to teach the brain and body that it's okay to experience a scared little inner child within us, right? And not to just project that part of us everywhere. As we do so, like we will just have more authentic, transparent relationships, right? It's okay to like what you like or whatever, right? But if the roided out guy doesn't know how to deal with his anger or whatever, you probably should get the fuck out. It's it's all about understanding how to develop real heart-based intimacy. And that means that we have to learn how to feel safe within ourselves. We have to learn how to access our own internal world. And we have to learn that we are enough. Men need this work just like women do, right? Or anyone across the gender spectrum. This isn't an episode to get into that topic, but you know, that's that's that's, that's topic. This this whole journey is about developing heart-based intimacy or whatever, right? If we're attracting fuck boys or we're attracting men who are like having girls in every city, like obviously... There's something that needs to be tended to within us. Men as a whole, like we've got work to do and that's okay. Like we have to recognize that there are societal paradigms. There are like ancestral paradigms that are working against men being able to tend to those parts of themselves and show up as a decent fucking partner. Okay. And this is men's job. Men got to do this with men to some degree. It is not their partner's job to fix or save them. I think that's a huge thing from watching Disney growing up. We all want to come in and feel like it's our job to save the broken man. No, it's not. He has to figure the fuck out. He has to learn how to rely on others. He has to learn how to utilize therapy. And as we do so, we can actually build the partnerships and the transparency and authenticity and the connection that we truly want. That's so beautiful. And yeah, I think just to wrap on that point, like I destroyed almost my last relationship by trying to help him heal. And so what I've learned from that is that in my current relationship, I'm going to just lovingly support my man and I'm going to nudge him towards the areas that I think he needs to work on. And I'm going to love him through them without ever thinking that it's my job to change anything, fix anything or save anything. So I feel like I've come back full circle around this. Like I used to date the roided up, you know, angry, angry man. Yeah. And if, if you're a woman listening to this, I also want you to reflect on your attraction to the alpha male like what is that what are you attracted to why do you need them to be tall and athletic and rich like going deeper into those questions yourself i think also is incredible because like zach said it's it's on the guys to do this work but it's also on us as women to do the work which if you're listening to this podcast you already are just really ask yourself like where are your wounds that are enabling you 
to stay in a situation like that, to think that is love. Because I used to feel so bad for that angry man because I knew that on the inside of him was the, like Zach said, the sweetest, smallest inner child that would just like lie on my chest. And in those moments of intimacy, I would see him for the truth of who he was. But 90% of the time, he was just this angry, angry gym bunny. I mean, he was sexy as fuck in his defense, but like he was like, yeah, he had a lot of issues going on. The whole thing was messy. And I'm so glad I've stepped out of that chapter of my life. And to step out of that, I really had to step into the therapy room. So thank you, Zach. I think this was an incredible episode. I'm so excited to release it. There's so much more that we could have gone into. And we will do that over the coming months on the podcast. But thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your input, and for sharing all that you've learned over all of these years of working with men. And I will see you very soon. Thank you for having me.